opportunity for spiritual direction today. And if you feel so inclined, there are still some spaces for that. And to find your way to a spiritual director, uh, find one of the QR codes on the flyers for Quiet Day, or speak with Tamika directly. Um, we can help you do that. Be still. From morning prayer, as Carolyn read, did you hear the prophet's quiet, confident cry in today's Hebrew scripture? I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will hope in him. The prophet is anticipating the Assyrian army coming with speed to destroy the riches of Damascus and Syria. And yet he trusts the promised Messiah. It is quiet day. What are your marauding forces? What pressures are building? What noise is shutting out the still, small voice of God, compromising your trust in the living God? In the Romans text, we were reminded, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it is easy to leap to the crescendo. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But what will we bring if we do not know God deep in our bones? Mission, our being sent out into the world to join God's purposes, is the reward of intimacy with the divine. It is not a strategy for it. It is quiet day, the pure gift of time set apart to be still with God, to remember who you are as a beloved, forgiven, called child of God. I am honored to have been invited to frame the day the irony is not lost on me that I have been invited to speak, to make noise on quiet day. Or the irony that I am well known for being busy, for moving quickly, passionately between the commitments of my vocation. Stillness is probably not the word you would immediately use to describe Lisa Kimball. So may the words of my mouth speak to your whole being from the depths of my soul. When Abraham Joshua Heschel, the 20th century Jewish theologian and philosopher, was asked, what is the Sabbath? He replied, spirit in the form of time. His daughter, Susanna Heschel, chair of Jewish studies at Dartmouth College, told us, my father defines Judaism as a religion centrally concerned with holiness in time. Creating holiness in time requires a different sensibility than building a cathedral in space. What a beautiful antidote to the tyranny of time that governs so much of our lives. 
Stepping into God's time is always a leap of faith. It is never, in my experience, easy. Just think about the time it takes to relearn how to relax and to breathe, to wonder and to play when you do take vacation, if you do, or if you have the privilege of a sabbatical. We are biological creatures, and slowing down takes time. Being still requires not only our will, but the cooperation of our biochemistry. The human body is an extraordinary organism. Cortisol and adrenaline are remarkable stress hormones that help us cope with anxiety, fear, threat, and prepare for action. They are designed to work against stillness, to prioritize survival. Adrenaline, as you know, increases your heart rate. It elevates your blood pressure, and it boosts energy supplies. Cortisol, the primary stress hormone, increases sugars, glucose, in the bloodstream. That, in turn, enhances your brain's use of that glucose and increases the availability of substances that repair tissues. These are vital functions. They are our friends. And like good friends who at times overstay their welcome, they can linger in our systems. They can compromise our sleep. They can increase our irritability. They can draw us away from stillness. Learning to slow down, to welcome silence, to rest, to be still in life is a lifelong practice. It is no wonder God commanded us to keep the Sabbath. God knew humankind would need a covenantal metabolism to embrace the mystery of the fullness of the Imago Dei. I have been greatly helped at learning to be still through two seemingly disparate worlds, that of contemplative prayer, duh, and journeying with people with significant intellectual disability. How many of us, if we stop and notice, have been blessed into stillness by Christina's penetrating presence in the refectory? John Swinton, a Scottish practical theologian, a Presbyterian minister, and chair of divinity and religious studies at the University of Aberdeen, has written incisively about time and what we can learn from our siblings who live with cognitive challenges. He urges the practice of speed reduction, of becoming mindful about time, or at least learning to honor and accept others who, because of mental or physical disabilities, experience the world through varied embodied states at differing paces. Swinton invites us to acknowledge that all of us, if ever, are only temporarily able-bodied. He introduced me to the three-mile-an-hour God by drawing on work of Japanese theologian Kusuki Koyama. Quote, love has its speed. It is a spiritual speed. 
It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks with us. Once we grasp that in Christ, God chooses to walk amongst us, it changes our whole understanding of the speed of love and the speed of theology. Swinton writes, the time of the clock has taught us to pay attention to the realm of time in ways that are grasping, utilitarian, instrumental, focused, selfish, and ultimately idolatrous. The time of the clock may be deeply influential and formative, but it is not on the only kind of time, or even the best kind of time that is available. The writer Anne Lamott adds to this conversation, wisely sharing her own prayer for living into God's time, acknowledging, quote, I have the theological understanding of a bright eight-year-old, but Jesus says, we need to approach life like children, not like cranky know-it-alls, crazily busy, clutching our to-do lists. She says, one of my daily prayers is, slow me down, girlfriend. The prayer changes me, she says. It breaks the toxic trance. God says to Moses the first time they meet, take off your shoes. Be on the earth. Breathe with me a moment. In 2017, in her TED Talk, Lamott went on to share 12 things she knows for sure. Number two, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. Today is quiet day. You have permission to unplug. You are invited to slow down, to breathe more deeply, to encounter the three-mile-an-hour God. And thankfully, the pace of seminary will slow down around you. I also know, after experiencing 13 years of quiet days at VTS, there are many good and faithful ways you may be planning to spend your time catching up on course reading, writing your Ember Day letter, following retreat prompts on an app, making your confession, perhaps an uninterrupted day of research and writing, cleaning your room or your office or even your car, fitting in that dentist's appointment, or finally crossing the river and going to a museum, playing music, taking a nap, or maybe two. I am confident God will meet you there. But as Morgan Freeman reminds us, learning how to be still, to really be still and let life happen, that stillness becomes a radiance.
So my invitation today is very practical. Whatever you had already planned for quiet day, season it with complete stillness. Stop moving. Sit or lie down wherever you are. Close your eyes. Breathe slowly and deeply. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Allow yourself to vocalize. Hear your breath. And when you are ready, sit or stand up carefully. Breathe deeply. Stretch. Sip water and go on about your day. Then repeat at random intervals. Be still. Let me close with a poem by Chris McCombs. Go deeper. Go deeper past thought into silence, past silence into stillness. Deeper still, past stillness into the heart. Now, let the love consume whatever is left of you. <laughs>